Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone to another session of Under My Roof. Hope you had a prayerful Holy Week. And as we look forward to Easter now, we have a wonderful topic today by Father Joseph. And the title is The History of Salvation. So before we begin with the session, I'd like to outlay some instructions. So you can use the Q&A section to ask any questions about the topic. And if you, have, if you face any technical difficulties, you can use the chat function to let us know. And you can scan the QR code on your screen to share the YouTube link with your family and friends. And if you're watching on YouTube and if you have any questions about the topic, we'll, we'll provide you with a link so you can ask your questions. So the schedule for today is as follows. So we'll begin with the worship led by Kadosh and then we'll have the talk by Father Joseph and we'll conclude with the um, Q&A by Father Joseph himself and uh, the final prayer by Brother Darren. So without wasting any time, I'd like to invite our Kadosh to lead us into worship. Over to you, Kadosh. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, we are Kadosh and my name is Leon and uh, alongside with my wife here, Angie. Angeline and my big bro, Debin, and my baby boy is uh, lying on the ground, uh, worshipping with us. So, um, we would like to pray with you. We're going to lead you to this uh, worship moment. We start with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you for sacrificing your own life Jesus for us for our sins you carry such a heavy burden for us we thank you hereby we ask you to open up our heart we invite you to come in our heart and cleanse us from inside out Lord we ask you to sanitize our soul as we always sanitize our heart our hand during COVID-19 now. Lord, we ask you to sanitize our heart, our soul. Make us clean, make us holy, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you to open up our heart. See you high and lift 
power and the love as we sing holy 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 open the eyes open the eyes of my heart lord yes open the eyes of my heart i want to see you yes lord i want to see you once again oh open the eyes of my heart lord open the eyes of my heart i want to see you we want to see you lord we want to see you to see you high and lifted up shining in the light of your glory pour out your power and love as we sing holy 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 to see you high and of your glory pour out your power and love as we sing holy 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 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 the Lord says when anyone is joined to Christ he's a new being the old is gone and the new has come Heavenly Father we thank you once again that you're putting up your life on the cross at the cross you tore the veil for us you break the temple and you build it up in three days you made a way when you say that it is done. Never 
Cross, I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. Yeah, you have overcome the grave, your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now?
at the cross I bow my knees That's was it for me There's no greater love than this And you have overcome the grave Your glory fills that atmosphere What can separate me now? Father, we thank you for coming to us. We thank you for everything that you've done to us. As we wait, we just want to praise you, Lord. The passion that you go through for us. And all glory to you, Lord. Thank you, Kadosh, for the amazing worship. Now, I'd like to invite Father Joseph for his talk. Over to you, Father. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes Father. Okay, okay, good. So, my dear brothers and sisters, you're most welcome to this day. We are in the Holy Week, the middle of the Tridum, the Holy Saturday, Jesus is buried in the tomb and this is the day jesus is even when he's buried in the tomb he's so active he preached the gospel to the souls departed and he saved those who were waiting for the salvation from the old testament and he saved them so today we are going to see the whole salvation history and as you all know it's not easy to um, explain the whole salvation history from the beginning of the Bible till the end of the Bible in 45 minutes. It is very difficult to explain, but at the same time, I'm going to show you a PowerPoint presentation with a small, small, each step will be discussed in a brief way. And then at the end, if you would like to ask some questions, you're most welcome to ask questions. So we will be going very fast about each step of the Old Testament and New Testament and a small explanation about each each step and then we will come to the New Testament and let us see how the Old Testament is completed in the New Testament how it is fulfilled and how it is fixed in the whole salvation history so this is what we are go going to reflect so please make sure to listen very carefully because if you miss any link in between if you miss one link you will miss everything it's like a, a, a you know garland that if you miss one link it will be broken so please make sure that you listen every detail of it in a careful way and so that if you have any doubts regarding this topic uh, i don't want to deal with any other topic because this this itself is a huge topic so you're most welcome to ask any questions regarding this topic at the end of this uh, session. So I'm going to show you the PowerPoint presentation and I hope you can see this. So the PowerPoint presentation, let me try it. 
Okay. So in the PowerPoint, you can see everything starts from kingdom of heaven. In the beginning, God was there. Don't ask me when did God start? When did God was born? That is beyond our imagination. God is there and God will be there. God has no beginning, no end. So God is there. So his kingdom is also there. From the kingdom of heaven, God created the paradise. Paradise, we know what is paradise. Paradise means kingdom of heaven on earth. Kingdom of heaven on earth. So paradise means kingdom of heaven on earth. And when God created the paradise, so, you know, the paradise is an expression of his love. For example, husband and wife, when they love each other, as an intimacy, as an outcome of intimacy, a child is born. So a child, a child is an expression of the love between husband and wife. The same way, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, who is one but three persons, out of their love, the expression is exploded. The explosion of the expression of love is called the creation. Just like explosion of the expression of the love between husband and wife, children are born. The same way, explosion of their, we can call it Big Bang. So explosion of the love between Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, the whole creation is born. How much is the love of God means how big is the universe. So the same way, love of God is so big and it's expressed through the creation. So paradise is a symbol of kingdom of heaven on earth. What was special in the paradise? In the paradise, God, creatures, animals, human beings, everyone lived in holiness, happiness, unity, fraternity. So there was peace, joy, happiness in the Holy Spirit in the paradise. That is what we call kingdom of heaven on earth. So from there, we, in the paradise, we have Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created, but Adam and Adam and Eve committed sin. Adam and Eve committed sin. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God promised a new Adam and new Eve. Because God knew the paradise is disturbed. Paradise is destroyed. And the paradise is no more accessible for the human beings. So therefore, God promised them, God wanted everyone to be back to the kingdom of heaven on earth. Therefore, God promised them a new Adam, a new Eve, in short, a new creation. So that is why new Adam and new Eve is promised. And after that, Adam and Eve, we know that original sin, the original sin as a result of original sin, the new Adam and new Eve is promised. And after this, as a result of original sin, God also promised the new savior. The new Adam himself is the new savior. And new Eve, that is the symbol of Mother Mary, pre-shadow of Mother Mary. New Adam, pre-shadow of Jesus. Because of the original sin, the savior is promised to remove the original sin. And God also gave uh, a kind of shadow of what the original, what what the savior is going to do in the future. That is why we in the, we read in the Bible, especially in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve committed sin, they covered themselves with the fig leaves because 
they must have eaten the fruit of the fig, fig fruit. And that is why they were taking the leaves of the fig tree and covering themselves. So then God said, you committed sin. You cannot cover your sins. You cannot forgive yourself. You cannot deal with your sins. I have to do it. Therefore, God sacrificed the lamb, took the skin of the lamb and covered them. By doing so, God was, God was giving them an impression, maybe a pre-shadow of what the Savior is going to do in the future. We know Jesus, the new lamb, sacrificed on Mount Calvary, and then we put on Jesus Christ, and then we will be saved. So we are saved by putting on Jesus Christ. St. Paul writes, you have to put on Jesus Christ, put on just like Adam and Eve put on the skin of their sacrificed lamb. Here, we have to put on Jesus Christ, who is sacrificed on Mount Calvary. So that is why the Savior is promised. Now you can see, after this original sin, God started the salvation history. Because God already promised the Savior, the new, new Adam is going to be coming. So the new savior, new sa uh, the savior, the new Adam is going to come. So God started the salvation process. As a result, God called the first father. The first father, the salvation history started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. With regard to Abraham, when God called Abraham, God also gave another, another symptom, uh, I mean, Sign of the Savior, another, you know, uh, pre-shadow of the Savior, where Lamb of God is promised. The Savior is going to be the Lamb of God, new Lamb of God. How? When God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son on Mount Moriah, Abraham took Isaac to the Mount of Moriah, and then he was about to sacrifice Isaac. Then suddenly God said, "Stop." And Abraham stopped and then God showed a lamp and said, take this lamp and sacrifice instead of your son. And thus Isaac was saved. The lamp given by God was sacrificed. It was a pre-shadow of what the Savior is going to do. In order to save the whole humanity, God gave a lamp that is Jesus Christ, the lamp of God. And the lamp of God is sacrificed. In, instead of me and you. And we are saved because the Lamb of God is sacrificed on behalf of us, instead of us. And as a result, we are saved. So the same meaning is promised here. The Lamb of God is promised to Abraham. So Lamb of God, the Savior is going to be the Lamb of God. And that is, and another promise is, Abraham sacrifices his son, Isaac. Death of the Savior is already pre-shadowed here. Death of the Savior is already pre-shadowed here. And now let us continue. After Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we have Moses. And Moses, when it comes to Moses, God promised a new Moses. When through the Moses, God was preparing the Israel so that the new Moses will come. So Old Testament Moses and New Testament Moses has got so many connections. See, Moses was not an Egyptian but brought up in Egypt. Jesus was not an Egyptian but brought up in Egypt. 
when moses was uh, born many children were killed when jesus was born many children were killed moses first miracle of moses was uh, turning uh, water into blood the first and last miracle of jesus was turning water into wine and then wine into blood and moses uh, you know moses went through the water the red sea jesus also when he started the public ministry he went through the water the baptism in the jordan moses went to the wilderness and he was tempted in the wilderness jesus went to the wilderness and tempted into in the wilderness moses fasted for 40 days jesus fasted for 40 days likewise you can see so many connections between moses and jesus and then during the time of moses god promised god said i will send another another you know when uh, when god was speaking to the people of israel people were people of israel said we can't we can't listen to the voice of god because it's too unbearable we will die if we listen to god face to face and therefore god said okay don't worry my word will become a human being and will come and speak to you and he will be like a prophet like moses and he will be my word become flesh so that means god promised a 100% word of god means 100% word become flesh and 100% prophet that means jesus the the new savior is 100% god and 100% prophet human prophet 100% god and 100% prophet like moses so you can see so many similarities between moses and new moses that is savior jesus christ so the new moses is promised then we can see after moses in the during the time of moses you know the exodus started the exodus with the passover the whole exodus for 40 days to the promised land in this 40 days of promised land god also mentions in the future when the new savior the new adam the new savior the new lamb of god the new uh, uh, moses when he comes he will start a new exodus now this exodus when moses started it started from egypt to the promised land which is land of canaan israel but god said when the new savior comes new adam comes new moses comes he will start a new exodus from israel to the heavenly promised land so there is a new exodus promise so savior will lead a new exodus and in the during the time of exodus there was passover the exodus started with the passover so we know what what happened in the passover a lamb was sacrificed and the blood was sprinkled on the doorpost and then they said god said to the israelites you have to kill the lamb sacrifice the lamb the blood should be sprinkled on the doorpost and the body should be roasted and eaten body should be eaten blood should be shed and body should be eaten only then passover will be completed and then in the process god also promised when the new savior new adam new lamb of god new moses comes he will start another passover in that passover the lamb should be sacrificed and body should be eaten if the body is not eaten the passover will not be completed 
So that is why we have in the Holy Eucharist, we celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus and we see the body of Jesus and blood of Jesus in the bread and wine and we eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus. By doing so, we are fulfilling this prophecy about the new Passover. So there was a new Passover pro pro uh, promised. After the Passover, we can see a Sinai covenant of blood and meal. On the Sinai covenant, there is a covenant of blood and meal. So yesterday, during the Good Friday homily, uh, I have explained the whole Sinai covenant and the new covenant, old covenant and new covenant in, in a detailed way explained. If you have time, please do listen to that talk. It will be a great help for you. So Sinai covenant on the Sinai mountain, uh, Moses prepared an altar. Around the altar, 12 pillars and one side Moses and 12 pillars. In the, when Jesus celebrated the new covenant and the upper room, Jesus is sitting on one side and all the tall apostles are on the around the altar. Exactly the same way Moses did on Mount Sinai. He is there and the 12 pillars and the altar on which they sacrifice animals. Here in the New Testament, in the upper room, when Jesus had the last supper, Jesus one side, the 12 apostles around the table and they sacrificed not animal, but Jesus himself, his own body and blood is sacrificed and given to us. So that is Old Testament covenant. And we have new covenant of blood and meal. Why blood and meal? In the Last Supper, we celebrate the meal. And Mount Calvary, we celebrate the sacrifice, the bloody sacrifice on Mount Calvary and bloodless sacrifice in the upper room, the meal. So that is promised. That is fulfilled in the case of Jesus. And then again, we see manna. During the Exodus time, God gave the manna. And the manna was uh, given to the human being. And when they took the manna, they saw the manna looks like white in color, honey taste. White color taste is honey. Why? Because it is a promise of God. God said, I have called you and I'm starting this journey. And in this journey, I am promising you, I will take you to the promised land, which is the land of milk and honey. We all know promised land is the land of milk and honey. Now, when they were in the wilderness, they have not seen the um, promised land. They have no idea about the promised land. Only they are trusting in the word of God and starting their journey, Exodus. But all throughout the Exodus time, God gives them manna. What is the speciality of manna? White in color, honey taste. What does it mean? By giving this manna, God is promising them, my dear children, surely I will take you to the land of milk and honey. White color means milk. Honey taste means the land of honey. So by giving them manna, God is assuring them that I will surely take you to the promised land. Every day, morning and evening, they were given manna. So by taking manna every day, uh, every morning they were getting, getting manna, in the evening they were getting meat. So every day, manna, bread, evening meat. Every day they were getting bread and meat. So you can see a symbol here. In the Holy Eucharist, we take the bread, but at the same time, it is the body of Christ. 
so just like in the old testament they received manna plus body of body animal uh, you know the quails so they were eating the meat and also the bread the same way when we take the bread we are eating the body of christ so every day god was promising them i will surely take you to the promised land of the land of milk and honey because manna yeah, the color is white milk the taste is honey is a symbol of honey so god was promising them what does it mean today we are given the new manna that is jesus himself in every holy eucharist we get the new manna the new manna means jesus christ himself then jesus himself said i am the manna that comes from heaven i am the bread that comes from heaven i am the manna jesus said what does it mean where every day when we take the manna it is a promise that god is giving us surely i will take you to the new promised land just like god was giving them manna in the old testament and promised them i will surely take you to the new man a new promised land so that is the meaning of manna after that we can see god makes them god gives them ark of the covenant ark of the covenant is given to them what is ark of the covenant ark of the covenant is a box in that box there are three things are kept one is the tablets of commandment second manna third one the budded staff of aaron so the budded staff of aaron is a symbol of priesthood and then tablet is symbol of the covenant manna symbol of the you know the food so what does it mean manna is the symbol of jesus christ the new bread the tablet the old covenant that is the symbol of new covenant that is also jesus christ the budded rose the uh, the budded uh, staff of aaron is the symbol of priesthood jesus is the real priest the high priest so it's also symbol of jesus christ so all these three things which are kept inside the ark of the covenant symbolizes jesus christ and what is the ark of the covenant ark of the covenant is a symbol of mother mary because it was inside of mother mary jesus was born likewise it was inside of ark of the covenant the tablets was kept manna was kept and the staff was kept so it was inside of ark of the covenant just like jesus is inside of mother mary so new ark of the covenant is already discussed there now with this ark of the covenant they made a tabernacle when we speak about tabernacle it is not the tabernacle which we see in the church in the chapels or in the in the churches today in the churches you can see a small tabernacle on the wall that's not the tabernacle i'm talking about in the old testament in the old testament tabernacle means miniature of a temple because they are in the process of exodus they cannot build a temple anywhere because they are not going to stay there any uh, permanently they stay for one month or sometimes some days or some weeks in one place and then continue traveling another place and then continue traveling to another place they were on on the process of travel they are in the in the movement therefore they cannot have a fixed temple therefore wherever they camp whenever they camp they used to camp around the 
tabernacle. They created a, a small space, not a small space, a bigger space. Uh, and there is a boundary wall around this, a small boundary wall. And inside one place, they used to keep the Ark of the Covenant that is called the Holy of Holies. Another place, there is uh, the bread of the presence and other things that is called Holy Place. And then there is a courtyard where, that is where they used to do sacrifices. So this whole section is called Tabernacle. And around the Tabernacle, in the shape of a cross, they used to camp. Uh, three tribes here, three tribes there, three tribes here, and three tribes here. Like a cross, sign of the cross, they used to camp. Even the camp, camping itself signifies the crucifixion in the future. Because they were camping in the sign, in the symbol of the cross. And in the middle, they had the Ark of the Covenant, the holy place, holy of holies, and the courtyard. That is called the tabernacle. This tabernacle later became the temple. In Jerusalem temple. Jerusalem temple is exactly created in the form of tabernacle. So Jerusalem temple is created. And when Jerusalem temple was created, this Jerusalem temple was destroyed by Babylonians and as, as Babylonians first and then Romans later. So when before the Babylonians come and destroy the Jerusalem temple, God promised them a new temple will be built. A new temple is promised. An eternal new temple. And we all know Jesus himself said, this temple will be destroyed, but I will build a temple in three days. And he was talking about his body. So the body of Christ is called the new temple. New temple means Jesus himself. And we know today we have church. We have the Catholic church. The Catholic church is the mystical body of Christ. So the new temple means the church. The church is the new temple. Now let's continue. And then when the temple was being destroyed before that, God also spoke about foundation stone. The temple is supposed to be built on a stone. There's a huge stone which is still there in Jerusalem. The name of the stone is called Ivan Shetia. I've given some time back, I've given a talk about Ivan Shetia. You can listen, it is available in the YouTube. So there is a there is Ivan Shetia, this foundation stone on which Jerusalem temple was destroyed. Sorry, on Jerusalem temple was built. Later, Jerusalem temple was destroyed. During the time of Jesus, Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the Jerusalem temple. But before that, Jesus changed this stone. The foundation stone was changed. And new, new stone was promised. New foundation stone. How? When Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my temple. See, in the Old Testament, temple was built on the eventual year that the foundation stone, but that, that temple was destroyed. But Jesus, before the destruction of Jerusalem temple, Jesus already prophesied that there will be a new temple, a new, new stone. Jesus himself is the new temple. And Jesus said, Peter, you are the foundation on which, you are the rock on which I will build the Jerusalem, I mean, new temple. So after that, there is a keys of the temple. In Jerusalem temple, there is a key. The keys of the Jerusalem temple. So there is a second in charge, second in command of the Jerusalem temple is the one who is supposed to hold the, uh, the 
keys of the Jerusalem temple. And he has two duties. One is secular key and also that the spiritual key, the key of the temple. And also he has got the secular power too. So he's second in command. His, his name is Hagen Sakhaniah. So likewise, there is a second in command in Jerusalem temple. He had the key. But we know from Mishnah, the Jewish, Jewish uh, Old Testament commentary, Mishnah, it is written very clearly. Um, when the Jerusalem temple was being destroyed just before the destruction, the main, the captain of the temple with this key, he went to the roof of the temple and he threw the uh, key to heaven. He threw the key to heaven and said, Lord, I could not protect this temple. Now you take back the key. And he threw the key to heaven. And the, all those who are watching, they saw a hand come, a hand from heaven comes and holds the key and disappears. The key did not come down. The key was taken by God himself. This is much before the Jerusalem temple was destroyed. So when the previous, the original Jerusalem temple was destroyed, that during the Babylonian exile. And this key, the key of the temple, now, where is it now? It is in the hand of God. And that is why when the God came down to human beings, that is Jesus Christ, God comes down in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came down to this earth, he called Peter and he made Peter the rock on which the Jerusalem new temple will be built. And Jesus said, I am giving you the keys. And he gave the keys of the kingdom of heaven in, in, in the hand of Peter. So the key, the new key is also promised. And the new key was given to Peter. And later we can see the promised land. And in the Old Testament, when Israelites, when they reached the promised land, they, they made the temple, they made Jerusalem as the capital, and they were established there. And when they were established there, just before going to the promised land, Moses could not enter into the promised land. But Moses told the people, though you go and settle in Jerusalem, I mean the promised land, you will never be at peace in the holy land. You will never experience peace, of ha peace or happiness. You will never be settled in the promised land. Even in the promised land, you will be always surrounded by enemies. And you will never enjoy peace in the promised land. Who said? Moses said. Even today, we know for the last 2,000 years, the Israel was not organized. All the Jewish were in diaspora. And now they have come back to Israel. But even today, Israel is not at peace. Surrounded by the Muslim countries, always being attacked. Every now and then there is, there is bomb explosion or something or the other happens. They are never at peace. That is why Moses and also later judges and prophets, they all promised to the Israel, I will establish a new, new Adam, new Lamb of God, new Savior, new Moses, new temple, and new keys, new Ivan Shatya, new Manna, and new Ark of the Covenant. And I will give you a new promised land. Everything new. God is promising all these things. And we know in the New Testament, 
Jesus is the promised land where we are going to be settled. Jesus is the new Jerusalem where we are going to be settled. Jesus is the new manna whom we are eating, you know, consuming inside. Mother Mary is the Ark of the Covenant in which we found Jesus. Jesus was born in the Mother Mary. And Jesus is, is the new uh, priesthood. And he's the new Moses. We know all these connections here. So Jesus is the new promised land. And after that, we know there is bread of the presence. In the promised land, in the Jerusalem temple, there is a bread of the presence. And uh, I, I missed out the presence, the word presence, but it is bread of the presence. So bread of the presence, you know, in every Jerusalem festival, or in a three, three, you know, thrice in a year, all the Jewish people are supposed to come to Jerusalem temple. One is for Passover. The other one is for uh, the Pentecost. The other one is for the festival of Tabernacle. So these three festivals, they are supposed to be going to Jerusalem. At the end of the festival, it's a week-long festival, sometimes month-long festival. Pentecost means 50 days long festival. So at the end of the festival, the, uh, the priest, the high priest, he just uh, goes inside the Holy of Holies, I mean the holy place in the Jerusalem temple, and there are 12 bread of the presence. Bread of the presence means the bread of the face of God. That means all those who look at this bread, they will see the face of God. That is what Jewish people believed. Therefore, the chief priest goes inside the holy, holy place, take one, sorry, one of the bread and comes out at the entrance of the Holy of Holies and the, 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 the holy place. And all the people will be standing outside and everyone will be watching. And then the priest will lift up this bread, the bread of the presence. And then the priest will say, behold, the face of God, behold, the face of God. And then all the people look at the bread and then they will depart. They will disperse themselves and the festival will be over. On the way, they say, we saw the face of God and now we are satisfied. What does it mean? All those who look at this bread of the presence, they see the face of God and they depart. I'm talking about Old Testament. But the same thing we can see in the New Testament. If this bread of the presence is the pre-shadow of the New Testament Eucharist. New bread of the presence. That is, in the Eucharist, we see God face to face. We see God face to face. So the bread of the presence in the Old Testament and the bread of the presence in the New Testament is uh, Jesus Christ himself. Now, in the Old Testament, people said, God said, I am your king. God himself was the king. But people said, we don't want you to be our king. We want our own king. We want our own king. Then God said, it is not good for you to have your own king. It is difficult to have your own king. If I make you or you, uh, make your own king, then they will torture you. These kings will not be leading you in a, in a proper way. So it is better not to have a king. Then people said, no, we need our own king. Then God gave them King Saul, King David, King Solomon. After the time of Solomon, that the country was divided into two. And then two kings were created. King Jerobabam and Rehobabam, like two kings. Later, 
the kingdom was captured by Assyrians. One kingdom was captured by Assyrians. The another kingdom was captured by Babylonians and the kingship destroyed. But God had already told, prophesied the kingship of David will last forever. Throne of David will never be destroyed. Throne of David will last forever. But if you look into the history after Solomon, after Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the kingdom was destroyed. Babylonians took one, one kingdom and the Assyrians destroyed one kingdom. And there is no more kingdom of David. So everyone, Jewish people, even today, they have a big question. Where is the kingdom of David? Where is the throne of David? They don't have this answer because God already promised them the throne of David will be everlasting forever. But there is no king for Israel today. They don't have a king. But they don't realize God has established this kingdom through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came down to this earth, angel Gabriel came and told Mother Mary, he will be great. He will be called son of the most high God. He will sit on the throne of his ancestor David. His kingdom will last forever. His kingdom will last forever. So Jesus is the new king who sits on the throne of his David. So initially God was their king. Now through Jesus Christ, God became their king once and for all. Now Jesus is the king. The king, God is himself became king. Initially, in the beginning, God was their king. Now the new Israel, the new church, God himself became their king again. Jesus is the king. And all the kings in the Old Testament, especially King David, King Saul, King Solomon, they were priests also. They were also priests. And now Jesus, God is also a high priest. And kingdom was divided. And then God promised another new kingdom, that is Jesus' kingdom. And Daniel, in the book of Daniel, we can see Daniel prophesied five kingdoms during the time of, during the time of Babylonian exile. Daniel was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. We read in the book of Daniel chapter 2. We can read it later. Daniel said he, he interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and said there will be four kingdoms. And the fifth kingdom will be the kingdom of heaven. Fifth kingdom will be kingdom of heaven. The four, four other kingdom will be the first one, Babylonian kingdom. That was the time he had this dream. After that, he said, there will be another kingdom will come. That is Persian kingdom. After that, there will be a third kingdom will come. That is Greek kingdom. After that, there will be another fourth kingdom will come. The fourth kingdom is Roman kingdom. And then Daniel prophesied hundreds of years before the Roman kingdom. Daniel prophesied to King Nebuchadnezzar saying, after the Roman kingdom, God will establish kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Jesus, during the Roman kingdom, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven was born in Bethlehem. And then he established the kingdom of heaven. That is why when Jesus started the public ministry, the first sentence Jesus said was, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent, kingdom of heaven has come. The, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus 
proclaimed the kingdom of heaven. So through Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven came into this world. That is why on Hosanna Sunday, when Jesus was having a procession to Jerusalem temple, all the people shouted, the here, the king comes. The king is coming on a donkey. The king has come. And they called Hosanna. Hosanna means Hoshiana. Hoshiana means Lord save us now. Lord come and save us now. So they proclaimed Jesus as the king and the Solomon tree into Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, when King Solomon, sorry, King Saul, sorry, King Solomon, when he was crowned as the king, he also had a Solomon tree into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people shouted from both sides and he was anointed as the king. In the New Testament, the new king of Israel is anointed as the king in the same way. He is also having a solemn procession sitting on the donkey and the people are shouting at the top of their voice. At the end, he had a crowning that is on passion, the crown with their crown of thorns and they gave him purple robe and then all the soldiers bowed down in front of Jesus. They did it in order to mock Jesus. But in fact, it was the Heavenly Father's wish that all this process should be taking place. And in fact, he was crowned. Coronation of Jesus' kingdom was established during the Passion Week. That is why we see all whatever that has to be done for a king is done for Jesus also. They crowned him with the crown of thorns. They gave him purple robe. They had, they gave him a staff that his cross. And they, they anointed him with the oil. Instead of oil, they anointed him with the spittle. And then they all, all the army, the whole cohort of army, they bowed down in front of Jesus and said, Hail, King of Jews. You know, this is all they did it in order to mock him. But the Heavenly Father had already planned it. And most importantly, when the pilot, he is the judge, if he, if he, he sit on a seat of judgment and he be command something, it is supposed to be obeyed by the people because the king is sitting on the judgment seat and he is commanding something. That is why we read in the Bible, especially in the Gospel of John, the pilot, he came and sat on the judgment seat and sitting on the judgment seat, showing Jesus, he said, here is your king. That means he is making an official judgment sitting on the judgment seat that here is your king. That means all the people are supposed to obey him, obey this judgment and accept Jesus as the savior and the king. You see, they all made it in order to mock him, but it was the plan of the heavenly father. When a king dies, his identity should be written down and kept it in the tomb. When a king dies, the identity should be written down and, and kept, uh, it should be kept it in the tomb. When Jesus died on Mount Calvary, the king put the identity of Jesus on the top. You can see I-N-R-I. I-N-R-I is supposed to be J-N-R-I. J-N-R-J. J-N-R-J. What does it mean? Jesus Nazarenos Rex to Judeorum. Jesus, Jesus Nazarenos Rex to Judeorum means Jesus of Nazareth, the king of Jews. That means the official title given by the Roman Empire for Jesus is this. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of Jews. And the Jewish people did not like it because it became official. 
So they came and told the pilot and Herod and said, please don't do this. Remove this. Then he said, no, what I have written, it is written. So likewise, it is written officially in the history. Jesus is the king, the king of Jews. And then after Roman Empire, the kingdom of God, the church in Rome started. Because the fifth kingdom is supposed to come defeating the Roman kingdom. We know through Peter, Paul, they landed in Rome. They martyred in Rome. The blood of Paul and Peter shed in Rome and the kingdom of Rome destroyed. And in the third, 313, through Constantine Empire, the Christianity became the capital of Rome. Uh, the, uh, the, the capital of Christianity is Rome. And then the new kingdom, the papacy, under the Pope, under the Pope, first Pope Peter, who died in Rome, the kingdom, the fifth kingdom is established. That is what we call Catholic Church, which was a small stone, rock, which fell in Rome and then became a big, huge tree and filled the whole heaven, the whole earth. That is what we see in the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2. We see God promised, I will send a rock to the Roman kingdom and will destroy the Roman kingdom. And this small rock will become a huge rock and fill the heaven, and so they fill the earth. And that is what happened to the Catholic Church, which started in Rome. I mean, uh, you know, it started in Bethlehem through Jesus Christ, and Jesus sent Peter and Paul to Rome, and they landed in Rome, and they died and martyred in Rome. Their blood was sprinkled in Rome, and they established the Roman kingdom into the kingdom of heaven, that is kingdom on earth, that is Jesus, I mean, the Catholic Church. <clears throat> and from there, this rock became a huge tree and filled the whole earth. This is prophesied in the book of Daniel. And thus, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. Kingdom of heaven is on earth. That is the Holy Catholic Church. All those who are in the church are in the mystical body of Christ. And all those who are in the mystical body of Christ, we are again in the paradise. That is why Jesus promised to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. So we are, the paradise is back, back to original. That is why I say, again, we go back to the original paradise, the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is the salvation history. Thank you, Father, for the insightful talk. Uh, we'll now head, head over to some of the questions. Uh, so one of the first question is, what would have happened if Jesus did not die would we all go to hell, even if we had the free will to do good ourselves? See, this is a, uh, we have to see if Jesus would not, if Jesus did not die, then he's not the savior. We have to wait for another savior. So Jesus came and fulfilled all the prophecies in the Old Testament. I was explaining one by one. There are so many other prophecies because of the lack of time. I'm not included those prophecies inside. Only the main important ones have taken from the Old Testament. So Jesus, so Jesus uh, uh, came and fulfilled all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And that, thus he died and we are saved. So there is no question. If he doesn't die, there is no question because he died. Yes, fine. Okay. Uh, the next question is, do we need to get baptized again after accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior in order to enter heaven? 
you know what do you mean accepting jesus lord and savior accepting jesus lord and savior is baptism it's not enough that you just accept it verbally but through the baptism we have to enter into the sacramental life so baptism is a gift is not achieved through our hard work it is given as a gift since it is a gift that is the reason we give the baptism to the children it is not their hard work it is a gift therefore we can give to the children and after receiving baptism we are supposed to live our life live our christian life by uh, accepting each day when i grow when i grow as we grow we know the truth more and more and then we accept jesus as our lord and savior more and more as we accept the lord as savior we are living our baptist but baptismal life we are living our baptismal life thank you father yes. uh, another question is what's the actual meaning of inri could you please explain i it is supposed to be j it looks like it's supposed to be j j means uh, in um, hebrew they wrote i i means jesus jesus n means nasrin na, na, you know jesus of nasrin jesus nasrinos jesus nasrinos rex judiorum king of king of jews so jesus of nazareth king of jews that is the meaning you must have seen in the holy host ihs ihs uh, uh, so that is jesus humanus salvatore exact pronunciation that means jesus human savior jesus hominus salvatore so that means jesus human savior Okay. Thank you father. Uh, another question is as you mentioned that Abraham was the first first father and also as we refer Abraham as the father of the nation is this because God promised him that he would bear many children. It's because Abraham is the first one to be chosen and uh, after Adam and Eve God revealed himself and chosen one generation that was Abraham. through abraham the salvation history officially starts and he god promised him you will be father of all the nations so that is why we call him father of all the nations thank you father um likewise yeah. mother mary mother mary also said uh, i will be called by the nations by blessed you know i will be called by the nations as blessed that is why we today every day we celebrate we, we recite hail mary full of grace we are in fact calling mother mary blessed each day when we recite holy rosary by fulfilling by reciting holy rosary in fact we are fulfilling the prophecy written by mother mary i mean prophecy prophesied by mother mary by mother mary in the bible so holy rosary is also fulfillment of the prophecy thank you father um okay. there's another question so um since we get baptized as infants do we still go to heaven as we start sinning after we get baptized that is why we have uh, through baptism we are entering into the sacramental life so through baptism we are relieved and cleansed from the original sin that is transferred from adam and eve but our personal sin we have the holy Con- holy eucharist and confession by going for confession and holy eucharist we are getting rid of our personal sin but our, uh, the sin that is transmitted the original sin that is transferred to us the consequence of original sin is washed through the baptism 
So this baptism we are giving to the infants because we want our children to be cleansed from the original sin. So that is why we give them baptism and we have the continuation of it that is called the other sacraments. We need to receive the other sacraments so that our personal sin also will be washed. Thank you, Father. And uh, one of the very first question was, uh, was Jesus the first person to enter heaven? No, Jesus is the one who comes down from heaven. He is originally in heaven. He is originally in heaven, was originally in heaven, and he came down to this earth and he entered into heaven. And he is, of course, uh, as a, you know, originally we were all in the, in the presence of God, in, in the mind of God. And we were born, you know, because when we were created, God said, I know you even before you were born in the womb of your mother. That means we are originally in the presence of God. And now we are born on this earth and we are going back to our home, original home. So that is why Jesus came down so that we will make sure, he will make sure that we go back home. So Jesus, along with Jesus, we all will be in heaven. Thank you, Father. Uh, now moving on to the last question. Uh, since we all believe that there is a second coming of Jesus, um, the question—so um, the person's question—is why didn't Jesus give us any clue of when he would come in the Bible? You know, if it's, if we're supposed to say that he is going to come only after three thousand twenty-one, then we all will live a different life. Our attitude will be different. That is why Jesus said, "The Son of Man will come like a thief." What does it mean? We don't know what time the thief comes. So God says, if we if he gives the time in beforehand, our attitude will be different because he knows our weaknesses. So he says we should be always ready, 24 hours ready. In fact, the day you die, you are coming. In fact, you already see Jesus. You already will have to face Jesus. But the last judgment will be a different occasion. But Personal judgment is already done the moment you die. One thing is for sure, whether you are there in the judgment, final judgment or not, you all will have a judgment in your lifetime. Everyone will have to face Jesus once in your life because we all will die. None of us will be alive forever. So once, anyway, we all have to be ready. So that is why Jesus did not give us any specific date because we all are supposed to be ready always. Yeah, thank you, Father, for answering all of our questions. Um, now, uh, we'll conclude the session uh, with the final prayer by Darren. Uh, over to you, Darren. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this session, Lord. In understanding the history of salvation, Lord Jesus, in, as we enter into Easter, you, Lord, help us to appreciate this salvation that you have brought us, Lord. Help us to appreciate your life, which you have sacrificed for all of us, Lord. We ask, Lord Jesus, that going on from today, Lord, we appreciate you more, appreciate the gifts and the blessings that you have given us in our life, Lord. And may we be able to practice all that we learn, Lord, from you. And for all these sessions under my roof, Lord Jesus, may we be able to May all of this help us in our spiritual lives. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord the Lord is with thee. Is with you. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
acceptable in Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Darren. Thank, thanks, uh, one and all, for joining us for this session. We'll see you again next week and wishing you and your family a happy Easter. God bless.